ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing with Bulugh al-Maram of Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar, rahimahullahu ta'ala, we're on the hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha, anna umma habibata bint Jahash shakat ila rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ad-dam, faqal, umkufi qadra ma kanat tahbisuki haydatuki, thumma agtasili, fakanat tagtasilu li kulli salah. Arawahu muslim. So the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, she mentions that Umm Habiba bint Jahash, she went and complained or spoke to the Prophet regarding the blood, regarding the blood that would exit from her. And so the Prophet said to her, remain upon that state of the period the normal time that your period would have been. Then after that, make the ghusl. Remember we were talking about the abnormal bleeding that occurs. So the Prophet ﷺ said, remain upon a state of period, the normal time the period would take. Then after that, even if the bleeding continues, make the ghusl. That's the meaning of this narration. So then he mentions that she used to make the ghusl for every prayer. Rawahu Muslim. Uh, we mentioned previously in the narration that went by that Umm Habiba bint Jahash and her two sisters Hamna and Zainab, all of them, radiyallahu anhunna, asabatunna al-istihada. All of them were afflicted with this abnormal bleeding that occurs outside of the period time. كَمَا أَنَّهُ تَقَدَّمَ مَعْنَا مَعْنَا الْحَيَضْ وَالْإِسْتِحَاضَ And similarly the Shaykh says, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, hafizahullah, that we previously mentioned also the difference between the normal period and then the abnormal bleeding outside of the period. We mentioned the differences between them in terms of the description of the blood. How we said that the normal period blood is thick and has a smell to it and it is dark. Whereas the abnormal bleeding outside of the period is light and red and without a smell. So we mentioned the differences the Shaykh says already. فَأُمْ حَبِيبَ شَكَتْ إِلَى وَكَانَتْ تَحْتَ عَبْدَ الرَّحْمَنِ بْنِ عَوْفِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ So Umm Habiba, she complained to the Prophet ﷺ regarding this issue of the abnormal bleeding. And she was at the time with Abd al-Rahman ibn Awf She complained to the Prophet ﷺ regarding this excessive blood which was coming out outside of the normal time of the period. To the extent that she similarly did not know how to conduct her uh, her her, her uh, worship. She was unaware of how to conduct the worship and what to do with regards to this extra bleeding that continued outside of the period time. Because she, Um Habiba, similarly knew that the woman who is upon the period isn't allowed to pray or fast. And similarly she knew that the normal period that's what prevents that, and that's what brings about those rulings. However, the affair of Umm Habiba was different to that norm. She similarly had this abnormal bleeding which would continue to come out, would continue to exit even outside of the period. فَإِنَّهُمْ مِنَ الْمَعْلُومِ لَدَيْهَا أُمْ حَبِيبَ أَنَّ الْحَائِضَ لَا تَسُومُ وَلَا تُصَلِّي وَهَكَذَا يَكُونُ فِي الْحَيْضِ الْمَعْرُوفِ الْمُتَعَارِفِ عَلَيْهِ عِنْدَ النِّسَاءِ وَأُمِرَ وَأَمْرُ أُمْ حَبِيبَ مُخْتَلَفٌ هُنَا عَنْ أَمْرِ الْحَائِضِ فَإِنَّ الدَّمَ يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا بِكَثْرَةٍ وَاسْتِمْرَارٍ لِذَا أَشْكَلَ عَلَيْهَا الْأَمْرُ So the blood was coming out excessively outside of the normal period time, and so that's why it became confusing. فَاسْتَفْتَتْ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ سَلَّمَ فِي ذَلِكَ so she asked the Prophet ﷺ regarding that. And she was concerned about this affair, about this blood. So the Prophet ﷺ said, فَقَالَ لَهَا أُمْ كُثِي 
remain upon that state, i.e. the state of the period, meaning don't pray and don't fast, قَدْرَ مَا كَانَتْ تَحْبِسُكِ حَيْضَتُكِ The level of the normal time of period. So normally if the period is seven days for example, then you remain in that state of being in a period for seven days, don't pray and don't fast, then after that normal length of time finishes, even if the blood is coming after that, make the ghusl. So this indicates, هَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهَا كَانَتْ فِي الْأَوَّلِ لَهَا عَادَ مُسْتَقَرَّةً This indicates that previously, Um Habiba used to have a regular time for the period. There was a regular time. وَأَنَّ هَذِهِ الْإِسْتِحَاضَ طَارِئَةً عَلَيْهَا and that this excessive bleeding was something that came upon her afterwards. <laughs> so the Prophet ﷺ told her to return back to the norm that she used to be upon before this affliction overcame her, whereby she began to bleed excessively even outside of the period time. So that indicates here. That a woman, if she has a normal routine, seven days, six days, eight days, whatever that might be, the normal routine within the month when the period occurs. Then for some reason, at some particular time in her life, maybe in certain months, the routine breaks. And she finds that she's bleeding beyond that normal time of her routine of seven or eight days. And it's going on for 10, 11, 12, 13 14, 15, 16, it's going on. So then the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, return back to your norm. If the norm and the routine was seven days prior to this, then make seven days the normal period time for yourself. Don't pray and don't fast. Then after that time, if you find that this excessive blood is still coming, then make the ghusl and do not consider yourself to be upon a period. Uh, so, فَتَتْرُكُ الصَّلَاةُ وَالصِّيَامُ فِي فَتْرَةِ الْعَادَةِ الَّتِي كَانَ تَعْرِفُهَا مِنْ قَبْلِ Leave the prayer and the fasting for the normal time, the routine time that you used to be upon. ثُمَّ إِذَا انْقَضَتِ الْعَادَةِ فَإِنَّهَا تَغْتَسِلُ مِنَ الْحَيْضِ When that normal routine time finishes, then you make the ghusl from your period. وَهَذَا الْإِغْتِسَالُ وَاجِبُ And this is obligatory to make that ghusl at the end of the normal period time, to remove that uh, impurity of the period. Uh, and that's something that the Prophet commanded her with. ثُمَّ لَهَا بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ أَنْ تَسُومَ Then after that, she's allowed to carry on praying and fasting. وَإِنْ كَانَتْ دَمْ يَنْزِلْ مِنْهَا Even if the blood is coming out after that. وَلَا تَعْتَبِرُهُ حَيْضًا And she does not consider that extra bleeding outside of her normal routine time as period blood. Rather, that is separate then. بَلْ تَعْتَبِرُهُ طُهْرًا تَسُومُ Rather, she considers that blood the extra blood as pure, not as period blood. So she prays and she fasts. So she's upon the same rulings as a woman who is outside of her period. So Um Habiba, from her zeal and enthusiasm to be upon purity, she used to make the ghusl for every prayer. Meaning, Um Habiba was afflicted by this state whereby she would bleed outside of the routine time of six or seven or eight days, whatever that might be. So the Prophet said to her, when the normal routine time finishes, make the ghusl. So she would make that ghusl. Then after that, she's allowed to pray and fast. From her enthusiasm, it's mentioned that she would make the ghusl outside then for every single prayer afterwards. Once the routine time was finished and she'd made that ghusl, afterwards she would make ghusl for every prayer for uh, uh, the prayers. And that was from her ishtihad, from her own enthusiasm. Like we mentioned before, it's not an obligation to have to make the ghusl for every single prayer. وَهُوَ الَّذِي ذَقَرَّرَهُ الْمُحَقِّقُونَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ أَنَّ الْمُسْتَحَاضَ لَا تَقْتَسِلْ لِكُلِّ صَلَاةِ لِمَا فِي ذَلِكَ مِنَ الْمَشَقَّةِ عَلَيْهَا And this is what the scholars they have mentioned, that a woman who has abnormal excessive bleeding, once she finishes her routine normal time, and then makes the ghusl, if afterwards she's still bleeding, it's not an obligation for her to have to make the ghusl for every prayer. The wudu is mentioned in the narrations, but not an obligation to have to make the ghusl for every prayer. 
After that, which explains this further, is the narration in Bukhari. وَفِي رِوَايَةٍ لِلْبُخَارِي وَتَوَضَّئِي لِكُلِّ صَلَاهِ وَهِيَ لِأَبِي دَوْدِ وَغَيْرِهِ مِنْ وَجْهٍ آخَرٍ In the narration of Al-Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said, and make wudu for every prayer. فَدَلَّ عَلَى أَنَّ الْمُسْتَحَاضَ تَتَوَضَّأُ لِكُلِّ صَلَاهِ so this hadith of Al-Bukhari then indicates that the woman who has abnormal bleeding outside of her routine time, that once she's made the ghusl at the end of her routine time, then in the days that follow, if she's still bleeding, all she has to do is make the wudu for every prayer. Wash that area out as we said, wash that region where the blood is coming, cover that with some item, some, uh, some type of clothing or these parchments that are to be bought these days, to cover that area so the blood doesn't come out, and then all she has to do is make wudu for every prayer and pray. Because her state now is a state whereby the blood is coming out, outside of the period time. The period was seven days after that, or eight days or whatever it was, then after that the blood is still coming out. For her now, that's all she needs to do. Clean that area, cover it up with something so the blood doesn't uh, release itself, and then make wudu and pray. That's all that is upon her to do then. Uh, so that woman then needs to make salah for every prayer. Uh, and even if, imagine now that the blood is coming out, she makes the istinja, etc. She cleans that area, covers it up with something, then makes the wudu and begins to pray, and it's bleeding. The woman is bleeding, but it's covered. And it's not releasing itself. That area is covered with certain parchments, etc. And the woman is bleeding. Then it's okay. The prayer, she can pray it and it's correct. Even though she is bleeding. Because for her, she has no choice. Allah does not burden a person more than that person can burden or bear. So in that instance, if the blood is coming out continuously, that's the best she can do. Clean the area, cover it with something, make the wudu and pray. So that's what's upon her to do. Allah As Allah said in the Quran, fear Allah to the best of your ability. And similarly, the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu The hadith of Al-Bukhari, a Muslim, that if I command you with something, then do what you are able, within your ability. And what I have prohibited you from, then stay away from it. سؤال أهل العلم عما يشكل في أمور الدين حيث إن هذه المرأة شكت إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وسألته عن كثرة الدم الذي يصيبها The first benefit to be taken from these narrations is the fact that you ask the people of knowledge when something is confusing or difficult upon you to understand Just like Um Habiba went to the Prophet and asked him regarding this excessive blood and what the rulings are, and how she is to behave. That is what you do when something is confusing or difficult to understand. Ask the people of knowledge. Just as Allah said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ ذِكْرٍ كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. الْمَسْأَلَةُ الثَّانِيَةِ أَنَّ الْمُسْتَحَاضَةِ إِذَا كَانَتْ تَعْرِفُ عَادَتَهَا فَإِنَّهَا تَجْلِسُهَا وَمَا زَادَ عَلَيْهَا فَإِنَّهَا تَعْتَبِرُهُ a woman who has abnormal excessive bleeding outside of her period, then as we have mentioned, if she used to have a normal routine, then all of a sudden it breaks and she starts bleeding excessively outside and excessive and additional days, then she makes her period the normal amount that she used to have. If it was seven, for example, then seven days is period. She makes the ghusl, then after that, if the blood still keeps coming, then all she has to do is make the wudu. Uh, and as we mentioned before, as the Shaykh said, that there are three states that uh, the uh, woman who has abnormal bleeding could be upon. أَنْ لَا يَكُونَ نَعْمَ الْحَالَةُ الْأُولَى أَنْ تَعْرِفَ عَادَتَهَا فَتَجْلِسُهَا These are the three ways to work this out now. If a woman ends up getting extra bleeding outside and in addition to the normal days of her period, the normal days, for example, are seven. A woman suddenly one month or for some several months consecutively realizes 
that now it's starting to become nine days or ten days or twelve days. And the norm and the routine she normally had was seven days. In that instance, there are three things that could occur. If the woman knows what her normal routine used to be, and if, for example, it was seven days, then she bases her rulings upon that. If now she starts bleeding 15 days or 16 days, she makes her period the normal seven she used to bleed. After that, makes the ghusl and behaves normally making the wudu and praying. If she doesn't know what her normal routine used to be, maybe it's somebody who is new to the period, some young woman, and she doesn't know what her routine is. Then there are other ways. Perhaps, أَن لَا تَعْرِفَ عَادَتَهَا حَيْثُ إِنَّهَا لَيْسَتْ لَهَا عَادَةً وَلَكِنْ تَعْرِفُ دَمَهَا بِالتَّمْيِيزِ Maybe she doesn't know what the normal routine is. She doesn't know how many days were her routine or are her routine for her to be able to stick to those days in making her rulings. Maybe she doesn't know what the routine is. In that case then we go to those characteristics. She tries to identify between the different types of blood. Is the blood thick and dark and with smell? Or is it light and red and odorless without a smell? So she tries to recognize the different types of blood. So maybe after seven or eight or nine days or whatever it is, she recognizes now the blood is different. It's light and it's red and it's no smell. So she recognizes now the period is finished. This is the abnormal bleeding now. So she makes the ghusl and begins to pray with wudu for every prayer. If however she doesn't know how to do that, she doesn't know what her normal routine was, she doesn't know how to work out the differences between the blood, then the third way is that هذه أمرها أمرها نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أن تجلس غالب الحيض ستة أيام أو سبعة أيام بحسب عادة نسائها وقريباتها لأن هذا هو غلبة الظن وما زاد على هذه المدة فإنها تعتبره طهرة تصلي وتصوم فيه. If she don't know, she doesn't know how to do the routine or how to distinguish the bloods, then she bases the period upon the norm of six or seven days. That's the norm for most women. So she looks to her relatives from the females, what's their usual routine, six, seven days approximately, and therefore she bases her period upon that. For six or seven days, whatever the routine is with her relatives, she makes that the period time, and then after that, the remainder of the blood, she makes the ghusl and just the wudu for every prayer and praise. Al-mas'alatu thalitha, fihi annahu yajibu ala al-haid, إذا انتهى حيضها وكذلك المستحاضة يجب عليها أن تغتسل لرفع الحدث الأكبر. A woman when she finishes her period, then she must make the ghusl. Even if it's a woman who has abnormal bleeding, then at the time when the normal routine days finish, she needs to make the ghusl. Then after that she can start making the wudu for every prayer. So at the end of the normal routine time, the woman must make the ghusl. And a woman who has a normal routine anyway, finishes after seven days, then she must make the ghusl at the end of that time. If a woman came to the end of her period and she could not find any water, or for some medical reason she was not able to use water, then what does she do? Just like we said before, if she can't use the water for some medical reason, or there is no water to be found, then she can make the tayammum, just like somebody who is upon janaba can make the tayammum. Remember the hadith we mentioned, where one of the companions rolled around, and then the Prophet said it was enough to make tayammum. So she makes the tayammum if she cannot find water, or she cannot use water. Al-mas'alatu al-rabi'a, anna al-mustahada yalzamuha an tatawadda' likulli salah. The fourth issue that we mentioned was that it is upon the woman who has the abnormal bleeding outside of the normal routine days, that once she makes the ghusl at the end of the normal routine days, after that she must make the wudu for every prayer. And then cover that area, wash that area of course, clean that area where the blood is, tighten that area or wear something upon that area so the blood doesn't exit, and then make the wudu and pray for every prayer. After that, the hadith of Um Atiyah radiallahu anha qalat, Kunna la na'uddu sufra wal kudra ba'da tuhri shay'a. 
رواه البخاري وأبو داود واللفظ له In this hadith of Um Atiyah رضي الله عنها and her name was Nusayba bint Ka'ab Um Atiyah or bint Al-Harith as some of the scholars have said Al-Ansariyah as she was one of the female companions رضي الله عنها um, and she Um Atiyah رضي الله عنها was someone who used to go out with the Prophet ﷺ to the battles. To do what? She used to go out, not to fight, but to help the wounded and to bring them water, and to bring them uh, ailments and medicines, etc. The ones who were wounded in the battles, she would be there as a helper, to bring the water to them and to bring other things to them, those injured from the Sahaba. So she used to do that. And put the bandages on the wounded, etc. Those types of things. So she said, "Kunna, i.e., we, the women at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, la naudul kudra." That we never used to consider the kudra. The kudra is ma yakhruju min farajil mar'a makhlutun bisawad. That is something which, that's something which exits from the woman, exits from the private region of the woman. Uh, a type of liquid which is mixed with a black color. It's a dark type of liquid which exits. This kudra, this dark type of liquid, and sufra, وَهُوَ مَا يَخْرُجُ مِنْ فَرَجِ الْمَرْأَةِ يَعْلُوهُ لَوْنْ أَصْفَرُ بَعْدِ الطُّهْرِ That's something, another type of liquid which exits from the woman, and the top of that liquid, it has a yellowy type of color. A yellowish type of color. So Um Atiyah says that after the period would finish and we would be upon purity having made the ghusl etc. If then this dark type of liquid exited, maybe a dark brown or that type of color, or this other type of liquid with a yellowy tint to it, then we would not consider that as... Anything we would not give that any consideration. So here the meaning of the hadith is that a woman she has her period. Then that period it stops. That period it stops. And there are different ways the scholars they mention that a woman can know that the blood, uh, the period blood for that woman has stopped. إِذَا انْقَطَعَ دَمُ الْحَيْضِ وَانْقِطَاعُ دَمِ الْحَائِضِ يُعْرَفُ بِعَلَامَتَيْنِ مَشْهُورَتَيْنِ There are two ways to work out if the blood of the woman has stopped. نُزُول مَا يُسَمَّ بِالْقَصَّةِ الْبَيْضَاءِ وَهُوَ خَيْطٌ أَبْيَضُ اللَّزِجْ يَنْزِلُ مِنْ فَرَجِ الْمَرْأَةِ تُعْرَفُ بِهِ نِهَايَةُ الْحَيْضِ وَصُمِّتْ بِالْقَصَّ one of the ways is they mention, and the women will be aware of these affairs, that sometimes there is a string-like item, a small stringy type of item, string-like item, white, which exits from the woman at the end of the period, and from that string-like item, a small string type of item that exits, a slippery type of item which exits from the woman, that becomes known now that the period has finished. That's something that the women will be aware of. وَالشَّيْءُ ثَانِي أَن تَرَى النَّشَافِ بِحَيْذِ إِنَّهَا إِذَا حَشَتْ فَرْجَهَا بِقَطْنٍ ثُمَّ أَخْرَجَتُ وَنَذَرَتْ فِيهِ لَمْ تَرَى فِيهِ شَيْئًا هَذَا يُسَمَّ النَّشَافِ وَهُوَ عَلَامَ عَلَى الطُّهْرِ فَإِنَّهَا تَخْتَسِلْ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ وَتُسَلِّي if it was dry, completely dry, not any sign of any of that blood or liquid, then that would be another sign that the period has finished. So the point being that when the period was finished, Um Atiyah says, that we never used to consider this issue, i.e. that the ruling upon this at the time the Prophet ﷺ was that anything which exited after that from this dark brown liquid or this yellowy liquid, we wouldn't give that any consideration. That wasn't period now. So they wouldn't be concerned with that, that is this part of the period now, is it continuing? That was something separate then. Once the period stopped, 
Then after that, if the dark liquid or the yellow liquid exited, then that was not something that uh, was linked to the period that they would have to stop praying or fasting. Rather, it is something that breaks the wudu though, so they would have to make wudu if these other liquids exited, this dark kind of liquid, dark brown sometimes, or the yellowy type of liquid, if it exited after the period has finished, maybe a day later or something, then all they have to do is make wudu and pray. Uh, also, الحديث يدل على أن الكدرة والصفرة في زمن الحيض تعتبر حيضا فإذا رأت المرأة كدرة أو صفرة في زمن الحيض في أوله أو في وسطه أو في آخره فإنها تعتبرها حيضا وتترك من أجلها الصلاة والصيام هذا يفهم من قولها بعد الطهر If however these dark liquids are exiting at the time of the period itself during the normal routine days when her period should be then they are considered from period exiting they are considered to be liquids exiting from the period. If they are in the normal time of the routine period, and in that case, then you stop praying and stop fasting. But if those liquids exited after the period finished, sometime later, a day or something, or whatever it is later, then that isn't considered part of the period. You make wudu and pray. Because often women, they have these types of questions. They say the period finished, then several hours later or a day later, I noticed some other liquid exited. Then in this hadith it mentions if it's that dark liquid or that yellowy type of liquid that came later after the period, that's nothing. A woman makes the wudu and prays. Cleans that area of course and then makes the wudu and prays. Um, also in this hadith there is a principle. Um Atiyah radiallahu anha says, Kunna la na'uddu, that we never used to consider uh, fi. We never used to consider this to be anything. When Um Atiyah says, we never used to consider it to be anything, the meaning of that, because this hadith was narrated at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, then it means that's an official ruling. Because when they say, we never used to consider something to be this or that, whilst the Prophet ﷺ was alive, if their consideration was wrong, then what would have happened? The Prophet would have explained. So the fact that they considered something and the Prophet didn't say anything means that was correct. So that's another ruling that can be taken. Uh, after that, the hadith of Anas. Radiallahu anhu, anna al-Yahuda kanu idha haadati al-mar'atu lam yu'akiluha faqala al-Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam isna'u kulla shay'in illa al-nikah. Rawahu Muslim. In this hadith of Anas, radiallahu anhu, he says that if a woman was on her period, then the Jews, they used to go to an extreme. They used to not even sit with her to eat on the same table. They would not even allow the women to come and sit on the same table to eat together. They say this woman is on a period in a separate room. They would take her to a separate room not even allowed to come and sit together on the same table to eat. So then the Prophet ﷺ explained, rather, isna'u kulla shay. You can do whatever you want. Sit together, walk together, touch the hands, etc. We mentioned already these affairs are permissible, except kulla shay illa nikah, apart from intercourse. Anything other than intercourse, kissing the wife, etc. These affairs, everything is permissible, except intercourse. So the Jews, uh, the children of Israel, and Israel is Ya'qub alayhi salatu wasalam. That's who they refer to as Israel. Israel is Ya'qub alayhi salatu wasalam. And the people who came from that progeny, then they are the ones who were from the, the Jews that came from that descendancy afterwards. And they were from the, at that time, some of them, they were the followers of Musa alayhi salam. And they were given the book of the Torah. Uh, and they are 12 tribes. That the children of Ya'qub salam, they were 12 tribes, the 12 lineages that came out. And all of them, these 12, they had lineages coming from them. And from there, those lineages and those tribes, they came out. As if they are like 12 tribes. 
يقال بأن الله كان يضع الملك في سبت من أسباطهم ويضع رسالة في سبت آخر It's mentioned that Allah would put the kingdom into one of those tribes and put the messengership into another one of those tribes These things are mentioned about that وقد قيل في تسميتهم يهودا من الهود ومعناه الرجوع والتوبة and some of the scholars say that the reason why the Jews are called Yahud is from the word Hawad, which means to repent and to return. Uh, because it's mentioned that they said, Inna hudna ilayk, that we have returned to you, that we have repented to you. And some of them they say that actually the name Yahud, it's an ascription to Yahuda, who was one of the descendants of Yaqub, one of the sons of Yaqub. And they say this is where they came from, so they are known as Yahuda. Oh, they are known as Yahud from that son Yahuda. As for the Christians, and they are named after either a, uh, a city in Palestine known as Nasira. There is a city in Palestine known as Nasira. So maybe the Christians, their name came from that, Nasraniya. Uh, and they are still upon that name today. Uh, and it's mentioned that maybe they are called Nasara because of their statement, Nahnu Ansarullah, we are the uh, Ansar of Allah. Uh, and these are different opinions given as to why their names are like that. But that's uh, a side point regarding the names of the Yahud and the Nasara. The point here being that the hadith mentions that if a woman was upon her period, then the Jews would not even eat with her on the same table. This is the level of extremism they went to. This is what they used to do. That if a woman was on a period, they wouldn't even sit with her in the same room. They wouldn't even eat with her on the same table. لِذَا شَدَّدَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ عُقُوبَةً لَهُمْ عَلَى ذَلِكَ وَقَدْ ذُكِرَ مِنْ تَشَدُّدِهِمْ فِي النَّجَاسَ أَنَّهُمْ كَانُوا إِذَا تَنَجَّسَ ثَوْبْ أَحَدِهِمْ فَإِنَّهُ لَا يَغْسِلُ وَإِنَّمَا يَشُقُّهُ وَيَقْطَعَ الْجُزْءَ الَّذِي فِيهِ النَّجَاسَ the Jews, they used to go to such an extreme sometimes, it's mentioned that even if their thawb got some impurity on it, they wouldn't wash it, they would cut it out, they would rip it, that impurity part out and get rid of it. They would rip that section off their clothes and get rid of it. That's how much excessiveness they had. Whereas the Christians, they were the opposite. فَإِنَّهُمْ كَانُوا لَا يَتَحَاشَوْنَ وَلَا يَأْنَفُونَ مِنَ النَّجَاسَاتِ بَلَإِنَّهُمْ يَتَقَرَّبُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ بِنَجَاسَاتِ ويعتبرونها من العبادة والتواضع ولذلك كانوا يأكلون لحم الخنزير مع أنه أقبح النجاسات As for the Christians, they were the opposite They didn't care about impurity So they used to go eat pigs And they used to consider that to be obedience and worship أما المسلمون فهم وسط ولله الحمد لا هم متشددون ولا هم متساهلون As for the Muslims, they are in the middle path Neither extremists on the uh, being extreme and exaggerating or on the other side of falling short and not caring. But they are in the middle path. So if some impurity comes on the clothes, they don't rip that section off and throw it away. The Muslims, the ruling is, you clean that area and wash that thawb and get rid of the impurity. Uh, and they continue to use those clothings afterwards. So from this excessiveness and this harshness of the Jews was that they would not eat with the woman on the same table if she was upon her period. Uh, and they would not sit with her and they would not sleep upon the same bed or any of those affairs if she was upon her period. So the Prophet commanded us to oppose them. So he said, Do as you please. You can do all of those things. Sit together and touch and kiss, etc. Whatever it is, eat together. All of those affairs are permissible, except illa nikah, except the intercourse. الذي هو الجماع في الفرج هذا هو الذي حرمه الله من الحائض كما قال تعالى ويسألونك عن المحيض قل هو أذى فاعتزلوا النساء في المحيض. And Allah said, ولا تقربوهن حتى يطهرن. Allah said, do, uh, uh, they ask you about the menstruation, the menstruating woman, then do as you please, but do not have the intercourse, because that is harmful, so remain away from the women in terms of intercourse, and do not go close to them until they purify themselves, 
But other than that, eating together, sitting together, even upon the same bed together, then this is permissible. أَمَّا بَقِيَةُ جِسْمِهَا فَإِنَّ زَوْجَهَا لَهُوًا يُبَاشِرَهُ فَيَنَامُ مَعْهَا وَيَلْمِسَهَا وَيَقَبِّلُهَا وَيَسْتَمْتِعْ بِهَا فَقَدْ كَانَ مِسَسَلَّمْ كَمَا سَيَأْتِي يَأْمُرُ عَائِشَةً وَهِيَ حَائِذْ أَنْ تَتَّزِرَ وَيَبَاشِرُهَا As for the remainder of the activities, even physical contact, then it is permissible as the Prophet ﷺ used to do with Aisha radiallahu anha, which we'll mention in the hadith which is going to come. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ said, إِنَّ حَيْضَاتَكِ لَيْسَتْ فِي يَدِكِ That this period which is upon you, it's not in your control, it comes, it happens. That's the natural way that the woman operates, it's not in your control. So the woman is uh, uh, pure in the rest of her body. It's only that exiting of the period that is impure. The rest of her body is pure. So this indicates what? This hadith. Firstly, it indicates مشروعيت مخالفة اليهود To be in opposition to these other religions like the Judaism and Christianity and the other affairs. As the Prophet said, مَن تَشَبَّهَ بِقَوْمٍ فَهُوَ مِنْهُمْ Whoever follows and imitates and resembles a different group of people, he's from them. And that's what the people they do today, unfortunately. The young people now, they want to be trendy, they want to be fashionable. So they try to copy the disbelievers in their clothes. They try to copy them in their habits and what they do. And this is something which is impermissible in Islam. ثانياً وَدَلَّ عَلَى جَوَازْ مُخَالَطِ الْحَائِضِ وَمُلَامَسَتُهَا وَمُبَاشَرَتُهَا وَالْأَكَلْ مَعَهَا وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ وَأَنَّ جَسَدَهَا طَاهِرٌ Also the hadith indicates that it is permissible to have contact with the woman who is on the period in the rest of her body. The rest of the body is pure. ثالثاً في الحديث دليل على تحريم جماع الحائض The hadith does indicate though that it is impermissible to have intercourse with a woman who is upon the period. After that, عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يأمرني فأتزر فيباشرني وأنا حائض متفق عليه The hadith is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim That Aisha radiallahu anha says The Prophet sallallahu used to command me To wear some clothing on the lower part of my body And then there would be physical contact between them On the upper part of the body هذا فيه دليل على على ما دل عليه الحديث السابق من مباشرة الحائض وأن زوجها زوجها له أن يباشرها له أن يباشرها. This hadith indicates just like the previous hadith that it is permissible for a husband for the man to have physical contact with a woman who is upon the period as long as intercourse does not occur. So Aisha radiallahu anha said, يَأْمُرُنِي فَأَتَّزِرْ وَفِي حَدِيثٍ آخر سُؤَلَ النَّبِي صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ عَنْ مَا يَحِلُّ مِنَ الْحَائِطِ قَالَ مَا فَوْقَ الْإِزَارِ So Aisha radiallahu anha says that the Prophet ﷺ used to tell me to wear some clothing on the bottom part of the body. And as for the top half, then there would be contact. And in another hadith it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ was asked regarding the Woman who is on the period, what's permissible? He said that which is above the izar. And the izar is the lower part of the body. So above that is permissible. And as for the lower part, then what is intended is the private region that intercourse is not permissible. فَهَذَانِ الْحَدِيثَانِ يَدُلَّانِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ مَا تَحْتَ الْإِزَارِ مِنَ الْحَائِدِ لَا يَجُوزُ مُبَاشَرَتُهُ وَمَا عَدَ ذَلِكَ مِنْ بَقِيَةِ جِسْمِهَا فَلَا بَأْسَ أَنْ يُبَاشِرُهَا أَنْ يُبَاشِرَهُ زَوْجُهَا بَيْنَمَا الْحَدِيثِ سَابِقْ إِسْنَعُ كُلَّ شَيْءٍ إِلَّا النِّكَاحِ يَدُلُّ عَلَى أَنَّهُ يَجُوزُ مُبَاشِرَةُ جَمِيعُ جِسْمِ الْمَرْأَةِ حَتَّى مَا تَحْتَ الْإِزَارِ سِوَى الْفَرْجِ The previous hadith said, you can do whatever you want apart from intercourse. This hadith says, as long as it's the upper part of the body, it's no problem, but the lower part of the body, you cannot touch. So here the scholars, they differed. When a woman is on the period... What are you allowed to touch? Where is the physical contact permissible and where is it not? Is it the whole of the body apart from the private region? Just as the previous hadith indicates, do whatever you want apart from intercourse. So even the lower part of the body beyond the private region will be permissible for contact. Or this hadith indicates that the lower part, all of it must be non-contact and only the top part. So the scholars, they differed regarding this. Awalan, 
لذا اختلف العلماء في هذه المسألة وهذا ملخصها This is the summary of it Firstly, this is the summary now So pay attention to this أجمعوا على تحريم الجماع في الفرج والمرأة حائض Firstly, they have a consensus as we have mentioned That it is impermissible to have intercourse That's agreed upon a consensus A woman who is upon a period It is impermissible to have intercourse أَجْمَعُوا عَلَى جَوَازِ مُبَاشِرَةِ الْحَائِضِ مَا فَوْقَ الْإِزَارِ They are also in agreement completely that the upper part of the body, the upper half of the body, above the navel you could say, then that is permissible to have physical contact. That is no issue either. The issue is the lower part. Because one hadith says, as long as you don't have intercourse, the remainder of the lower part is okay too for contact. The other hadith says, no, the whole of the lower part, no contact. Here they differed. وَهُوَ مَحَلُّ الْخِلَافِ وَهُوَ مَسْأَلَةُ مُبَاشَرَةِ الْحَائِدِ مَا تَحْتَ الْإِزَارِ وَوَجَّهُوا حَدِيثَيَّ الْمَنَعِ عَلَىٰ أَنَّهُ مِنْ بَابِ الْإِسْتِحْبَابِ وَالْإِحْتِيَاطِ لَا مِنْ بَابِ الْوُجُوبَ جَمْعًا بَيْنَ الْأَدِلَّةِ فَالرَّسُولُ سَأَسَلَّمْ Hadith and the ruling is that the lower part of the body, the legs, etc., then it is not recommended and it is not something which is desirable to have contact on that area when the woman is on period. Due to that possibly leading on to something other than that. That may lead on to something other than that due to the proximity of the area where intercourse occurs. So they said due to that, the meaning of the hadith is that it is not something desirable to do that. But it is not haram. But it is not desirable is the meaning. So out of precaution, to be cautious and to protect yourself from the haram of intercourse then to not have contact in the lower part of the body, that is preferred. Just like in the other hadith it says, because if an individual goes to the border or somewhere close to something, then there's a possibility he may fall into it. So out of caution, then it's better for an individual not to have any contact in the lower half, uh, and the upper half is permissible. But it cannot be said in accordance to this opinion of the scholars that it is impermissible to touch or to have contact in the lower half. The intercourse is the prohibition outright. The final hadith then in this section, عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال في, في الذي يأتي مرأته وهي حائض قال يتصدق بدينار أو نصف دينار رواه الخمسة وصححه الحاكم وابن القطان ورجح غيرهما وقفه so this hadith now Ibn Abbas that the Prophet said, whoever has intercourse with his wife whilst she is upon the period, then he needs to give some money in charity. Whoever has intercourse with his wife whilst she is upon the period, with his, uh, the woman that is permissible for him, whilst she is upon the period, then he needs to give some charity. However, there is some speech regarding the chain of narration for this hadith. أولا هذا الحديث هذا الحديث من حيث السند صحيح. The chain of narration for the hadith is authentic. ومن قال بأنه موقوف أو أنه مضطرب فهذا محل نظر. فالحديث صحيح مرفوعا إلى الرسول صلى الله عليه وسلم. الشيخ فوزان says in his commentary in his explanation that this hadith is authentic and the chain of narration to it is authentic. وَقَدْ تَقَدَّمَ لَنَا أَنَّ جِمَاعَ الْمَرْأَى فِي الْفَرْجَ حَرَامٌ بِالنَّصْبِ بِالْإِجْمَاعِ وَبِالْإِجْمَاعِ And we've already learned that having intercourse during the woman's period is impermissible by consensus and by the evidences of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Due to the statement of Allah, فَاعْتَزِلُ النِّسَاءَ فِي الْمَحِيضِ Stay away from the women whilst they're upon the period. وَلِقَوْلِ سَأَسَلَّمَ And the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu do as you please, accept intercourse. But if a person was to break that ruling and have intercourse with the woman that is permissible for him in the time when she is on the period, then what's upon him? 
What's the ruling upon him then? This hadith indicates that he needs to give a kafara. He needs to give something to override his sin. He needs to give something to make up for his sin. As an expiation for his sin. And in this hadith it says that it is a dinar or half a dinar. Uh, and the dinar is a type of currency which was made out of gold that they used to have at that time. Dinar min al-dhahab sawa'an kana masnu'an naqdan aw ghair masnu'an aw nisfuhu wa hadha hal huwa min babi takhir am min babi tartib lil-ulama qawlani fi hadha. So the hadith says give half a dinar, a dinar was something that was made out of gold, a type of money they used to have, or a full dinar. A full dinar or half a dinar. But then the question is, does that mean you have a choice? Either give a full dinar or half a dinar, or do you have to give a full one if you have it? And then if you don't have it, give half. This is what the scholars they spoke about. Some of the scholars said it's a choice. أَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَابِ مِنْ بَابِ إِنْ شَاءَ تَصَدَّقَ بِدِنَارٍ وَهَذَا أَفْضَلٍ وَإِنْ شَاءَ تَصَدَّقَ بِنِصْفِ دِنَارٍ وَهَذَا هُوَ الْحَدِّ الْأَدْنَى The scholar said, it's a choice. If you have the ability to give the full dinar, then that's better. And if you don't, then you want to give half, then okay. But if you have the ability, you should give the full dinar. But if you don't, you can still give the half, and that is the minimum amount. Um, وَقَدْ خَيَّرَ اللَّهُ الْإِنسَانَ فِي غَيْرِ هَذِي الْكَفَّارَةِ خَيَّرَ أَيْضًا خَيَّرَهُ أَيْضًا فِي كَفَّارَةِ الْيَمِينِ فَقَالْ فَكَفَّارَتُهُ إِطْعَامُ عَشْرَةِ مَسَاكِينَ مِنْ أَوْسَطِ مَا تُطْعِمُونَ أَهْلِيكُمْ أَوْ كِسْوَتُهُمْ أَوْ تَحْرِيرُ الرَّقَابَةِ They said the reason for this is because there are other types of expiations where Allah has given a choice to people. There are other types of expiations that are mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah where you have a choice. So a person here in this ayah, it mentions you can either free a slave, or you can provide clothing, or you can provide food for 10 people. But that is a choice. That is a choice that was given for that type of kafarat al-yameen. So they said based upon that here, it's a choice. Give the full dinar if you're able, if not half a dinar. And of course you can work out the relevant amounts that the dinar is in the current level of currency. Al-qawl al-thani, anna hadha laysa min babi takhir. The second opinion is that this is not a choice. Rather, you have to give the full dinar if you are able. وَنِصْفُ الدِّنَارِ مَنْ عَلَى وَطِئَ فِي آخِرِ الْحَيْدِ They say, إِنَّمَا الدِّنَارِ عَلَى مَنْ وَطِئَ فِي أَوَّلِ الْحَيْدِ وَنِصْفُ الدِّنَارِ عَلَى مَنْ وَطِئَ فِي آخِرِ الْحَيْدِ They said, the full dinar is upon somebody who has intercourse with his wife when she's at the beginning of her period. And the half a dinar is upon somebody who has intercourse with his wife when she's at the end of the period. فهذا الحديث يدل على تحريم جماع الحائض كما تقدم ويدل على وجوب الكفارة. أما تحريم الجماع تحريم جماع الحائض فهذا محل إجماع. وأما وجوب الكفارة كفارة فيه فهذا فيه خلاف بين العلماء. However, notice as we said, there was some speech regarding the authenticity of the hadith. Even though Sheikh Fazan says the hadith is authentic. There was some speech regarding it. And that's why the scholars differed. Does somebody who has intercourse with his wife whilst she's on the period have to give some kafara, have to give some money? Then there's a difference of opinion. The majority of the scholars say there isn't an obligation of having to give the kafara, to have to give that amount of gold. That is not an obligation the majority of scholars say, but it is good. It is recommended to do it if you fall into that error. But it's not an obligation. But somebody who falls into that error, even if he doesn't do that, give that amount of charity, give that amount of money, then his action of having intercourse whilst the woman was on the period is a sin. And he needs to repent in any case. And if he gives that amount of money, that's good, it's recommended, but not an obligation. And the reason why the scholars say it's only a recommendation is because they say the hadith is, there's some problem within it, and there's some issues with the chains of narration. 
Because the scholars they had different opinions about the authenticity of this hadith, and that's why they came to the conclusion that we can't say it's an obligation to have to give it, because the hadith is different about its authenticity, and they're not sure about the authenticity of it. However, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he said it's an obligation to have to give that money if you have that uh, intercourse whilst the woman is on the period. Whereas Imam Shafi'i, Imam Malik, and Imam Hanifa said you don't have to. They were of the first opinion. But Imam Ahmad said you have to in accordance to this hadith. And there was a group of other scholars who also took this opinion that you have to. وَذَهَبَ مَعْهُ إِلَى هَذَا الْقَوْلِ جَمَاعَ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْعِلْمِ For example, اختارَهُ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ ابْنُ تَيْمِيَةِ Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah chose this opinion too, that you have to give it. وَقَالْ إِنَّهُ وَاجِبٌ بِالنَّصِّ وَالْقِيَاسِ He said it's obligatory by the text of this hadith, in accordance to the statement that it is authentic. And also, he said by analogy, by making this type of comparison to other rulings, then it becomes clear that you must give some kafara. What's the analogy or the comparison? In Ramadan. أَمَّا الْقِيَاسِ فَكَمَا أَوْجَبَ اللَّهُ الْكَفَّارَ عَلَى مَنْ جَامَعَ فِي رَمَضَانِ وَأَوْجَبَ الْكَفَّارَ عَلَى مَنْ جَامَعَ وَهُوَ مُحْرِمٌ وَكَذَلِكَ فَإِنَّهُ تَجِبُ الْكَفَّارَ عَلَى مَنْ جَامَعَ مْرَأْتَ وَهِيَ حَائِضٌ Just like if somebody has intercourse with his wife during Ramadan in fasting, then that person has to give the kafara. He has to give something, he has to do something to expiate that sin. Just like if somebody has intercourse with their wife when he is in the state of ihram, doing umrah or hajj, then he has to give some expiation. Then Shaykh al-Islam said, in this situation it's the same. If you have intercourse and the woman is on a period, then you should have to give some expiation also. And if the woman was also choosing to do that, she also wanted to have that intercourse whilst she was on the period, then upon this opinion, she must also expiate. And she must also give something to if she chose to do that with her own free will, and it was not something that was imposed upon her. And that is the end of that section. And we'll conclude upon that. Uh, and in next lesson, inshallah, we will complete the chapter of menstruation. And then at the end, once we've completed that, we will have a session, insha'Allah, where we bring the fatawa of the scholars on the issues of menstruation. Fatawa of Shaykh bin Baz and other scholars, Shaykh al-Thameen, rahimahumullah, on the issue of menstruation and various other aspects that maybe haven't been covered in these sections, then we'll do that at the end as well. So hopefully that will then cover the majority of the issues that women face regarding menstruation. So we will continue, uh, we'll be away, so in two weeks inshallah, we'll come back and we'll finish off this chapter of menstruation, inshallah ta'ala.